bright, so bright, just like pain drops in the window pane. When your eyes are blue, something's wrong with you. Let me kiss the love light back again. Brown eyes, why are you blue? Brown eyes, what can I do? Hello, welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. In this episode, I will be continuing my look at Dodsworth by Sinclair Lewis, continuing where I left off in the last podcast. And thinking back, I didn't like really tell you much of what happens in the story because I'm not sure I'm that interested in what happens in the story, and I doubt all of you will be terribly interested. Um, unless you like, you know, stories about a couple... <laughs> Uh, a married couple in middle age wandering Europe and having marital problems. It, it might work kind of as a romance towards the end where we see these two characters kind of reconnect a little bit, yet at the same time find their own way. That's kind of nice. Uh, I'll say more about the conclusion of the story next time. But, um, you know, I, I think I just sort of said that they, they went to Europe, they went to England and, and hung out there. Um, I mean, one thing that's, you know, one of the first conflicts, I guess, between husband and wife here. I mean, it's immediately it's, it's clear that he's less interested in the the glitz and glamour and the tourist experience than his wife, Fran, is. I'm talking about Sam Dodsworth. He's he's more of a... I spent the whole last episode blabbing about how I thought Sam Dodsworth is not the most interesting character and he doesn't seem to have much path to growth. But uh, they meet this guy, this uh, major... I think it's the major, drives him around England and, and hits on his wife, right? And he tries to proposition her, and, and that's the first sort of conflict. That's going to be a running theme throughout the whole book is tensions over her various boyfriends. And, you know, they're not, you know, given that time it's written in, they're not, like, presented as sexual relations. They're just presented as, you know, people who are romantically interested in her and uh, maybe a threat to their marriage and, and uh, a kind of a reason why... Sam Dodsworth sort of wants to slow down the the nature of their or like return to to, to America essentially. Um, where the first part of the story ends, though, uh, where I left where I should have left off last time was they they end up deciding to move on to Paris. So that that's kind of the next tour in the European trip. So it's like England, France, Italy, right? And of course, it's fascist Italy by this point in, in history. There's not much made of it. It's it's I don't even remember it really being mentioned. It's just uh, passing in the context, um, you know, I, you know, in hindsight, a novel set in this period, you know, having explored a little bit more the, the nature of European society as it turned fascist would be interesting. Like, of course, Sinclair Lewis wouldn't have entirely known where Europe was going at the time outside of, of course, Italy had already kind of right away after the war, uh, embraced fascism. Them being one of the disgruntled winners of the war, not getting quite what they wanted, having social problems, and and basically, the government abdicates to the fascists to to run things um, pretty quickly after the war ended. Uh, but the rest of the year, I guess it's not clear where it's going. It makes some of the the kind of picking on America that we see in this novel that's that's kind of interesting when he's it's set in America, but when you see it kind of set in Europe. It's a little bit more distasteful knowing where Europe would end up, you know, by by the end of the century, right? How fragile democracy and the Enlightenment really was in Europe. 
But anyways, that's that's not really where where we should go in this particular podcast, this particular episode. I, I really want to focus more on this this relationship and some of the the sexual politics of of the relationship between Sam Dodsworth and his wife Fran. And part of this is how kind of Europe sour like seems to ruin everything for for Sam. Like we see at the end of chapter eleven. Um, where after they've decided to leave England and go on to, to, to France, uh, says, England, this is Sam Dodsworth, England, perhaps I'll never see it again. Fran and Lockhart, they've taken it from me, but I love it. America is my wife and daughter, but England is my mother. And these fools talk about a possible war between Britain and America. If that ever comes, I thought Debs was foolish to go to jail as a protest against the war, but I guess I understand better how he felt now. If I forget thee, O England, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. How did that go in the chapel? Oh, yes. If I prefer not Jerusalem, London, above my chief joy, while well, I never could prefer England above America. And next to America, O oh Lord, I'd like to stay there. The Dodsworth were in England 3,000 years, maybe, where they've been in America only 300. England, unquote. That's, of course, some interesting, I guess, cross uh, Anglo-American kind of ideology, kind of the stuff we've been seeing in the Lovecraft series, actually, this idea of England as our mother. Um, you know, if these are Anglos, I guess. But I think there's a subtext here about how it's, it's kind of souring his own kind of idealized relationship, right? But there's another problem here, and that's like in America, like everything is kind of fake. Everything is commercialized. Everything is, is artificial. And so their relationship essentially is bound to be artificial and fake and on false pretenses as well, right? So there's maybe, it, maybe it's reflected here. Like for 3,000 years in England, 300 years in, in, 3, years in England, 300 years in America, right? It, it's bound to be not as authentic, right? But going to England, it's sort of, you're in that context of, of greater authenticity, I suppose. Uh, but in America, you're, you're, it's only this crass commercialism, this kind of, you know, the banality of it all. Even their marriage, if you go back to like chapter one, even their marriage just seems to be tacked on. There's no really romance or courtship. It's just they meet, they, they get together, they decide to get married, and then they're married, right? There's nothing made of it. And they jump ahead 20 years in the future. And that, you know, in his other novels, Gelmer Gantry and, and, and Aerosmith, the ones we looked at, there's like this slow plotting through these youthful relationships, and you know until we see how they end up, right? And tragic in those novels in most cases, but you know you you finally kind of earn some contentment at the at least in the case of Aerosmith, he earns some contentment. Elmer Gantry, I guess, earns his rise, but he's he's more odious character, so it's it's a different feel when in that case. But they're both sort of developed to some place where they're. They're comfortable and somewhat happy when they're in their situation, uh, but they had to get through, they had to get there through some struggle, right? This is just passed away because their marriage really isn't much of a struggle. It's just there's money, there's a job, there's income, there's kids, there's nothing to really get in the way until they get to Europe, and then kind of all the everything underneath is kind of exposed, right? So I think there's a subtext here of just the f the fakeness of American commercial life, and then somehow being in Europe dislodges that and, and reveals it. Now, when we talk about the tourist experience of these two people, I mean, part of the problem is they both have different agendas and different goals and, and they go different places. 
as they're in Europe, and they're never really going to cross. And normally, I think that's actually a pretty solid foundation for for a relationship. I think like friends marrying to raise a kid together, having different interests, not relying on each other, because is, is a good thing. I've met uh, or I know married people who like they're so dependent on their spouse, including people in my family, that they can't conceive of doing anything not together. And it it ends up they get so locked together whenever there's a crisis. It's like a tra- it's like dramatic. Right. Um, well, I've never really experienced that, but I think partially because I've able been able to keep sort of a, a separate relationship, a separate life with my significant others that crosses over enough that that we are intertwined but it's not like we're dependent it's not a codependency kind of thing and these people aren't codependent but um but what happens is once they start going their separate ways they find they kind of veer off right it's like a it's like a ship that that leaves orbit you know or or gets gets off orbit and it goes off into space it's not going to come back uh without a great deal of work if you just let things go naturally they're just going to drift off uh, and that's sort of what happens over the course of the novel. Um, now, basically, Fran's interest is social life. She becomes like a social light, um, and she has money, so she's able to kind of work her way into this elite social circles of various European cities. And she follows various peoples around. She befriends them. Uh, go, they go to the parties and all that stuff. So that's her interest, and that's an authentic interest. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Sam's interest is the tourist sites. He literally has like a guidebook that he carries around and he goes, checks, you know, check marks the places and he'll go to places like there's even a great scene where he like went to see Notre Dame in Paris with I think it was Notre Dame with his wife and he doesn't there's not much on it, but he goes back later by himself and he experiences it so much more fully. He's got like the guidebook and the guidebook tells him what he has to see and he goes to see it. But that's really kind of gross and inauthentic in my view i think it's a, it's rather a uh, a shallow experience but that's of course what a lot of tourists do so i don't want to pick too much on on tourists i've talked about it before on this podcast as it's come up in books but it's it seems he's just going through the motions he's like a machine right and if you have that really mechanistic mind that might be how you experience travel right you say oh i I'm, I'm in china i have to see these five things in this order right and i have to buy this and i have to eat dinner at this restaurant and do everything in the book and they make check out check mark all the things in the in the travel guide and then i can go home content having done it all right and as a result he only doesn't really experience the culture and the society the way fran does i think fran has a more authentic experience but but he sees it as frivolous and they, they both, I think, see each other's experiences in Europe as rather frivolous. And so they learn something about each other. Now, the problem is America was 100% the frivolity, um, the true frivolity, the, the, the consumerism, the bougie marriage, the house, you know, making sure the kids achieve certain goalposts in their life. You know, that didn't have much of a future either, you know, and you kind of learned that Fran was been kind of trapped in that. And there's been something she's wanted, which she could have got in, in America, in Zenith. Zenith's not a small town. It's fictional, of course, but it's not presented as a nothing town. We've seen it in actually two other novels that we've looked at. But it's it was something that was kind of closed off to her as the as the dutiful wife of the of the automobile executive. But I guess there's also a, a bit of a dark side or 
uh, to Fran and that she's she's kind of she's one of these people who kind of finds meaning in other people, right? She's not very independent. And so when it's not her husband kind of taking care of her, she finds surrogates for her husband and in, in all these romances, these short-term little romances and, and a few get more serious, but it's, she almost like marries another guy from the novel. That's all, as I'll talk about when I, I kind of finish up the novel in the next episode, but it's, uh, you know, she's, basically someone who's can only see herself reflected in other people and, and, and not doesn't have that independence that I'm not sure Sam ever wants. It, it's, you know, he eventually meets a woman, Edith, I think it's in Italy who f- kind of fits that bill of, of the independent woman a little bit more, but I never got the sense that that's what Sam was really looking for. It's not like he, he needed that in his life. He, he's, but he did find someone different than his wife anyways at the end, and that's who he sort of ends up with. Well, anyways, um, about halfway through the novel, Sam deci- decides to go back to to America. It's kind of like a some business a business meeting or something he has to go to, so he has to go to like Connecticut, I think. Um, but while he's there, he also checks in with his kids. He goes back to Zenith for a while, and, and he does kind of a little bit of a mini tour of his life in America. But he doesn't go to, like, any new places. He kind of goes to places he already knows. So it's, um, it's there's not anything that America can really teach him. And I, I, don't, I don't know, like, this, this idea of kind of Europe and America teaching each other something is kind of intriguing, but I don't see it here. I think... Maybe there's hope of it. There's a character who sort of talked about this. I think talking to um, uh, talking to Sam, kind of saying like, like asking him what is he's going to bring back, kind of intellectually, mentally from from Europe. And he says, I know it's just vanity, Sam, but there are things outside America. Whether they're going to have sense enough to make a pay in Europa there, whether Britain is going to recognize Russia, and who's going to get Russian oil and what become a Poland, and what fashion really, fascism really means in Italy. Things that ought to be almost as interesting as the next baseball game. But these lads that are stuck here in New York, they're so self-satisfied. They don't care a hang about anything beyond the current price of gin. Now, there's a good point here in that America should have been more interested in what was going on in Europe in the 1920s. And had they been more interested in the 1920s and 30s with what was going on in Europe, maybe a tra- the tragedy of the 20th century would have been a little bit less tragic. Um, there, I think there were real costs to kind of American difference to... Uh, the reality of the world uh, in the in the 20s. And I think there's still maybe a degree of tragedy in the American public's kind of disinterest in the rest of the world and what happens outside their borders. Um, but it's, it's, inve- it's inverted differently now because the U.S. is this empire and it's more just straight up, you know, ignorance that makes it so tragic, right? Um, that the U.S. is dominating the world and the population doesn't really know, doesn't have information, basic information about it. But in the 20s, it was the U.S. kind of stepping aside and consciously saying, we're not going to be part of the world. We're going to withdraw entirely after World War One. We're not going to sign the Versailles Treaty. We're not going to join the League of Nations. We're going to sit this one out. And whatever happens to Europe happens to Europe, right? And neither of these people, though, Fran or Sam, engage in that aspect of Europe. This guy is kind of telling him, you really need to bring back something useful. Not just your your antiquarian tours of, of 
the tourist sites, Notre Dame and the Leaning Tower of Pisa, wherever else you go in Europe. And not just France kind of hanging out at, at, at parties and, and, hang, you know, and being a socialite. Both are kind of dead ends, I think. But that, there's, a, there's, a, there's an element there that I think is, that makes this novel kind of interesting warning. And I don't know if that was directly his conscious point, but it's certainly there. And I think Sinclair Lewis is the kind of person who would have been urging Americans to be a little less inward um, at this time and, and be a little more outward. I think that's, that's going to be a subtext in Aerosmith, too, where we see tragedy happen outside the borders of America. And Aerosmith has to put his life online and he, he does so at great sacrifice losing his wife uh, risking his career to help stop a plague um, but here it's a little bit more obvious that there's this this lack of any deeper interest in Europe outside of, of what one is supposed to do there whether it's what your, your, your new friends tell you to do or what the guidebook tells you to do I actually get there's more of a sense of conversation about European politics, uh, you know, from a distance, from from a distance of America than than there is when they're actually in Europe. Right. But it's always but it's not something Sam can really contribute to because he's kind of aloof to all this, all this, too. So anyways, while uh, he's back in in Zenith, she goes on to other places in France and eventually to, to Italy. And they, they write a little bit and he's got, he's, he kind of gets a lot of letters and they spend a lot of time in different cities. Like uh, she'll end up, she ends up spending a lot of time in, 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 uh, in Germany. That's where she ends up almost getting married in Germany, having a long-term affair. So she, she kind of goes to Italy, then back to Paris, then tours a lot of places. Um, I think she does this tour initially with, Sam after he returns from Zenith but but uh, but they end up spending more and more time apart as she kind of settles down in Berlin and he's like I'm going to go to do the tour and she gets deeper and deeper into this affair um, which I'll talk about next time as I get into the kind of the end of the novel so I don't know. I, I think there's interesting stuff here, but the novel as a whole just isn't kind of gripping me the same way Aerosmith did, unfortunately. I never really dug travel, I guess, the travel log kind of kind of book. Um, there, if you really want to kind of investigate this 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 relationship and a, and, a, and a marriage falling apart, it's kind of fascinating. I think it's really interesting that this it takes going to Europe for these two people to to kind of realize the truth about each other and about their relationship. Um, the fact that they're totally oblivious to the dramatic changes happening, happening in Europe is such a great sign of, of, of kind of European or American isolationism in this period of this critical period of the 1920s when, when so much could have gone a different direction, um, but, but didn't. Um, and and partly, partially that was due to American absence of, of leadership. So what I'll talk about in the final episode is, I guess I'll, I'll kind of look a little bit more at what happens at their their relationship, and um, and then how Sam sort of ends up being the one, kind of surprisingly, who finds a new path for himself. So I think there's an irony at the end of the novel because you expect Fran's the one who's going to leave him and, and go on and become a, a a rich socialite in 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 Europe, and and she almost does that, but she ends up 
backtracking, but by then Sans already sort of moved on. And so we'll talk about Edith. We'll talk about this woman he meets. Uh, I think it's in Italy somewhere. Maybe it's in Germany. I forgot. But she, you know, Sam ends up the one kind of escaping a little bit. But but the marriage certainly falls apart. Yeah, it kind of is beyond hope. I think by the by this point in the novel, by you know two three hundred pages into this novel, it's already pretty much a lost cause. So, anyways, uh, not not his best, but I think again, once again, I think it's it's worth checking out, perhaps. But it's it's not on the top of my list of recommendations. That that still is reserved for for Aerosmith. So in the next episode, I'll finish up this series and this entire series on Sinclair Lewis. Obviously, I, I hope to get back to Sinclair Lewis someday with some of the other volumes of, I think there's one other volume of his writings, maybe two. There probably should be a few more eventually published by the Library of America. But I'll have one more and then, then, then we'll move on to, to, to some of Henry James's early novels. So we'll kind of get a different, different tone and... I'm looking forward to to kind of a new. Fr I'm always looking forward to a new, fresh start, even when the the series doesn't, the series or the author doesn't grip me entirely. I'm always kind of excited to pick up a new volume of the Library of America and dig into a new set of texts. So uh, one more on Sinclair Lewis, where I'll just kind of wrap up my thoughts on Dodsworth, and 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 that's it. So uh, thanks always for listening. Let me know what you think of this novel. Maybe I'm seeing I'm missing something. Uh, maybe try to convince me it, it's worth a deeper look uh, and, I, and I might take you up on that sometime in the future um, but give me your thoughts uh, thanks for listening and I will see you next time when the sun comes in that's when they begin disappearing like the April snow round you do brown eyes what can i do